Welcome to Women Express. I'm your host, Denise Harrington. Life is good on this side of the microphone. I want to tell you right now, because we bagged a big fish. Well, it is so great to be here, Denise. It's great to have you, Sarah. So Sarah, I'm going to let you talk about yourself because Sarah is running for the United States Senate in Wisconsin. Yes. Wisconsin is a pivotal state for the Democrats. It is. It in it, well in general, it's a pivotal state. It could be the one factor that will change the Senate for us. And the good news is she's probably one of a few women who really have a choice in the matter of running and will probably will knock on wood, but I don't doubt it. She'll <laughs> probably win, yeah. which is a good thing. So we're going to talk today about why it's important for women to run for office. I love your voice, Sarah. Sarah doesn't mince words at (laughs) all. She is really brilliant around a few things, which I'm going to let her tell you about. I'm not even going to do your bio. I want you to do the bio, just like you did today. Do the bio. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Do the bio. Well, I, I want to first say thanks for having me, Denise, and thanks for even covering women that are doing different things in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, because I never thought that I would be running for office, mm-hmm. let alone the United States Senate. Uh, but I think, you know, a lot of times when women see something wrong, they got to stand up and do something well, about it. Well, you said your mom told you that. I she mean, did. see what moms do. I know. Her mom told her, if you're going to do something in the world, yep. make sure it's something to help people. Amen. And that's the person you are, I've noticed. Yep that you, your whole thing is about helping people and making them aware of what power they really have and may not be using. Yeah, I I think that uh, as a daughter of two public school teachers, that was something that was really instilled in me as a young kid. And when I was even thinking about running for office, um, I don't remember if I shared the story about my grandmother with you. So my grandmother was part of the first group of women to serve during World War II. So she was a Navy wave. And I remember talking to her about public service. And I was like, Grandma, how did you how did you get permission from your parents to serve in the military? Because this was a time when that's not what women were supposed to do. Right, right. And I was, you know, thinking about running for office um, myself and what that could look like. And she said, Sarah, let me tell you this advice about public service. And I go, okay. She goes, don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. Oh, And that really stood with me because I think a lot of times we look for what are validators to let us know that we're doing the right thing. And I think we, you know, like for me, I just had to follow my gut. Like my gut was saying, this is something that you needed to do. At the time I was running for state treasurer, which I am currently right now. I'm the state treasurer of Wisconsin. Um, That's a big role. It's a big role. We're the chief financial officer for the state. And I mean, I, you know, women aren't really involved in finance, let alone I was somebody that had no political experience. So I was a political nobody. Wow. And so for me to kind of, I think, step up and run for this office was a big leap. Mm-hmm. But I really believed in myself. I thought that this was something that I could do. And I was proud in 2018. I actually flipped more Trump counties than the top of our ticket than the governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general in a down ballot race. And Denise still say, that's because no one voted in your election, Sarah. And I'm like, nope, same number of votes basically with the governor and with me. So cool. that stuff matters. That does matter. It matters a lot. And I think something that I think a lot of folks face in their lives is that you're always underestimated. 
And I think for me, that is something that I've experienced my entire life. Like I started my career supporting the Pentagon. Yeah, you said that. And, you know, you can imagine a 20 something year old woman from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, walking into the five sided castle. That's what we used to call the Pentagon. Um, They were like, all right, we'll give Godlewski a few weeks. We'll give her a few months. And I was there um, for almost a decade. I know you said that, 10 years. So they gave you a few months, which is typical. Uh huh. And I was still hanging around the hoop. Still hanging around and getting things done. Yes. So you have that foundation from that experience at the Pentagon. You mentioned something in your speech today, because yeah. I kind of hit you between the eyes a little bit. It was, it was a softball. It wasn't <laughs> a hard interview question, but I did ask you, what's your blind side? Yeah. And you answered based on your experience from being in the Pentagon. Yeah. I mean, I think when we look at the 2022 election, something that we can't underestimate is the disinformation. Yes. I mean, we have seen, whether it's the 2016 election or the 2018 election or even the 2020 election, how social media can quickly perpetuate like a wildfire Mm -hmm. uh, rumors that are just not true. And so something that is very important to me and kind of linking it back to my days in national security is we have to have contingency plans for when they are trying to, folks are trying to spread rumors and lies. Um, Because we know that I think one of the things that I worry about is we've got to be able to talk about the truth and talk about facts and yeah. cannot let disinformation win the day. And it has to be quick. Right. And that's one thing I really like about you is she took that question and she quickly came up with an answer and tied it back to something that was relevant. Yeah. Because having a strategy, even if it's a military tactic, right. is important when you're dealing with things that are so huge and it, the lies are so big, you have to really do, you have to think. Right. You have to have plans. Right. Provisionary plans that even change on the spot. Right. And you're really good at that. <laughs> you're real good at, at spinning on your feet and, and not just making up stuff. You really are good at speaking your truth, but giving it a foundation. Yep. The other thing I noticed about you, Sarah, uh-huh. is you are a people person. You really are a people person. You're looking out for people. Yep. And there are three things that you talk about on your campaign trail that I think is what is going to set you up to win. Do you know what those three things are? Well, maybe on this tour that I just got back from across the state, Denise, that we talked about. So I... Um, just what two weeks now did a world tour across the state so we're talking about a lot of the places that feel forgotten about Mm -hmm. uh and to me you have to be a 72 county because it's 72 counties that make up wisconsin to win the state and to truly represent the state and so for me i traveled the state went to a lot of these rural counties and talked about things like we need to make broadband a public utility yes um, because there's literally 28% of rural Wisconsin doesn't have access to broadband. It's amazing. And so if you think about it, Denise, the pandemic, you're a business owner. Yeah. People would say, well, just put your business online. And your response is, with what broadband? Yeah, yeah. Or I was talking to kids, and they were driving to McDonald's parking lots because they didn't have access to Wi-Fi to join their math or English classes. Yeah, yeah. We expected them to really succeed at home, but we gave them nothing to succeed with. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, let's talk about telemedicine. I mean, that is a big part of how we're now checking in on our 
populations and their health. And a lot of these folks can't just join a telemedicine appointment because they don't, again, have access to broadband. Yeah, that broke my heart. I mean, I have a lot of clients that mm. are in the broadband industry. Yeah. And that's everything they're talking about. They're trying their best. And a lot of them are smaller, high-tech industry yeah. folks. Yeah. They're trying really hard to get broadband into rural America. Right. You know, right. So that people can thrive and grow yeah. and succeed. Right. So right. That's what's important about it. Right. You said something. In, you have a financial background. Yes. You're the CFO of Wisconsin. Uh-huh. I love that. I love that title. Yeah. But you also said something about this whole idea that in Silicon Valley, they can make in one day Isn't of fundraising yeah. the amount of money that you all have in Wisconsin in a year. Yes. Tell me more about that. Well, so that... Because you know, money is everything. And if women are going to run, they need to know right. about the money. Right. Well, so I actually got started in finance, doing microfinance in rural India and helping provide access to capital for women. And that's just... This is all connected, Denise. And so what was inspiring for me is I'll never forget, there was a 16-year-old girl and I was visiting this rural community in India. And she came up to me and she gave me a big hug. And I didn't know her, Denise. I didn't really know her community. And she said, thank you. And I said, for what? And she was talking about the access to capital, this like small micro loan that her mom got to start this business. Not only is it successful, it's so successful. She's now lending money to her husband for his business. And now the community believes that girls can go to school and she's going to go and be a doctor. And it was that, you know, moment where I'm like, we can't, we have to help when it comes to things like access to capital. So then I started this, I was a co-founder of an impact investment firm. Part of what we did was provide access to capital for women. And when I was doing that work, I'll never forget to your point, what the story was is the amount of capital Silicon Valley gets in one day is what Wisconsin gets in an entire year. It's amazing. And in my state, we are a main street economy, not a wall street economy. And so that's what then led me to run for state treasurer because I said the state treasurer should be using their investment authority to help Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And we know that wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I called the state treasurer. They didn't return my calls, Denise. I kept calling the state treasurer. Because you were the same girl that walked into the Pentagon. Yeah, exactly. They're just going to blow you off. She's just having a happy day and she'll get over herself. Exactly. I'm just going to keep calling until they (laughs) pick up my phone calls. And it was because... I found out um, our state treasurer was trying to get rid of the office with our governor. And that now, would have removed a check and balance. Again, they were trying to get rid of the state of treasurer's the- office. I mean, that doesn't seem suspicious at all. Not at all. Not at all. Just get rid of your check and balance. So I found out that it was because they were they're making a constitutional amendment to remove the state treasurer's office. That's amazing. And then um, decided that I was going to step up and lead the constitutional save our fiscal watchdog committee and made a bipartisan committee. And we took 62% of the vote and saved the office. Yay. This is the kind of badass we're working with here today. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, to actually save an office where they were going at it from a constitutional perspective. Yeah. It's crazy how that was happening. Well, and it was all <laughs> undercover. 
you know, it was something that people didn't know what that was, this was going on. And it wasn't on folks' radar screen because there was so much else going on and they thought they got away with it. Yeah. We said, you're not. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on, I think. Yes. In our, not only economy, but in our political system, a lot going on, which is where, why, and how come I asked you, are you ready for a blindside? Yeah. Because I'm almost certain there will be one. Yeah. And usually, you know, in the meeting today with you, they were talking about how much bigger your purse is. You have quite a big purse going yeah. into this whole election. And, and congratulations to you for having fundraised so well Thanks. that you have a cushion. Right. Because that doesn't always happen. And because you are a woman, it could have easily have been the same experience you had at the Pentagon. Let's right. just, she's just having a fun day. Let's just just, just discount her. She'll right. go away. Right. But you've been in there and you've been tenacious and you have the money to support you in that. And that says people believe in you. Yeah. You know, but I think the main thing that makes a difference in your running for a Senate seat is you're really out there listening to people. Yeah. And they've been telling you some stories. I love the story about the health care. Tell, tell us about that. Well, so going back to this world tour, when we were talking about it, I was visiting with farmers. And one of the farmers, um, and on, let me also caveat this, uh, Denise, it was on a day when it was negative 16 degrees in Wisconsin. <laughs> so we are all bundled up. Fun day. Oh, my gosh. And uh, the farm equipment wasn't working because it was so cold. And it was just a very, you know, uh, Arctic day in our state. And we were talking about where, like, what does this farmer think? And what is, what is he worried about? And one of the things that really resonated with me is he said, you know, I think about what I have not seen these past few years, um, we're number one in farm bankruptcies. Wow. And no one seems to be helping us. We have these trade wars with China that are further making things very difficult for Wisconsin farmers. But you want to know what really helped me? Obamacare. Wow. He's like, literally, Obamacare is saving me $20,000 a year for and him and his family. He, he was a Trump supporter. I, I, I mean, it was something that he talked about, yeah. 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 So he's, his family was saved as a result of Obamacare. $20,000 I mean, is a lot of money. I think that this is something that we have to recognize is that when people are governing, what are, what are, what's the difference that they're making in people's lives? Mm -hmm. um, and this is something that I think is really important when I talk about even why I got in this U.S. Senate race, Denise. I mean, as state treasurer, at the height of the pandemic, 1.2 million Wisconsinites couldn't pay their bills. And that was something that was really scary for so many people as they were losing their jobs or they didn't know when childcare was going to come back for them. And so for me, I started thinking, okay, our legislature, so we have a full-time legislature in Wisconsin. They didn't meet for 300 days. Wow. And so I had to start thinking, how can I be Wisconsin scrappy <laughs> and start helping people? And this is out without like any additional money from the federal government or any additional like money from the state was how can I be creative? And one of the things we figured out was how we can provide hotspots and e-learning books for public schools. Mm. Um, going back to, we were hearing stories about them driving to McDonald's parking yeah, lots. Yeah, that's just incredible and to, to even hear that story. You, you could tell us a hundred times. And right. It, it will never sink into the depth of what they were experiencing. Right. You know, we're trying to send our kids to school during a pandemic. Right. 
where going to school is at home and I have right. no way. So McDonald's becomes the school. Right. It's crazy. Right. It's really crazy. Or even homeowners. I mean, I was talking to homeowners who were l- worried about losing their homes because they couldn't pay their mortgages or they couldn't pay their property tax bills. Mm-hmm. And in the state of Wisconsin, if you miss a property tax payment, you start accruing compound interest. So at the end of the year, you could owe your interest rates can be anywhere between 16 to 18%. So it's hard to catch up when you're paying that kind of interest rates on your property taxes. Yes. And that can quickly lead to foreclosure. And so we started this fund to help homeowners. Mm. And so I'm doing all of this creative, scrappy work, and I'm watching Ron Johnson take a private plane from his house in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and get on the Senate floor and say Wisconsinites don't need any help. I heard you say that today. How can someone say that? Wisconsinites don't need help. And took you told me he took you told us that he took tell the story again. He took a certain amount of money and sent it to South Carolina. Well, so this is the recent That's crazy. I view as a representative of Wisconsin, my job is to make sure we have good jobs that we are bringing tax dollars to work for the state. And so there's a federal contract for postal cars, they're electric vehicles for our postal workers. Right. And the company would have brought in a hundred or sorry, a thousand good paying union jobs. That's a game changer in Wisconsin. Wow. And he's like, nope, I think those jobs should go to South Carolina. What? I just every time I hear that, I'm like, what? It doesn't make any sense. So, so who's he working for? <laughs> I, I mean, I think corporate America, but special interest in he's not the people of Wisconsin because when you ask Wisconsinites, you know, some of them are working two to three jobs mm-hmm. just to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And they could have gotten a job with good benefits and good pay, like working one job. I mean, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. And that's where it should be. It's, you know, I, I even when I think about blind sides, I, I almost want to surround you in a blanket and, and protect you because when there's someone who's willing to just not speak truth to power, that's cool. Right. That's a cool thing. Yeah. You're just willing to speak truth to people. Yeah. To the people that you want to represent. That's super cool yeah. in my estimation because no one is speaking. Well, I shouldn't say no one. There are many people who are not choosing to speak to the people who need to be right. spoken to right. with clarity. Right. Right. So what are you seeing out there in the midst of all the big lies? I mean, you're going around the state and having great conversations one on one because people can't get on Zoom. Yeah. 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 So there's a little bit of beauty in that yeah. that they don't have broadband because right. it's forcing to get out there and really speak. Right. So what are they feeling? Are they, you know, are they are they appreciating the fact that you're bringing them the truth? Are they still hanging on to some of the the lies that are going around? I mean, I think that what Wisconsinites appreciate in something that we've talked about is the ability to to listen. Mm -hmm. And something that I have been hearing about over and over again is, for example, affordable child care. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the height of the pandemic, we had so many child care centers that shut down. About 54% of the state is in child care deserts. And I just did a tour of a few child care centers outside of Madison, Wisconsin, And some of them were saying that they barely have enough to go on till July. That's crazy. And if you think about it, Denise, all right, if you don't have access to childcare, who has to oftentimes give up their job Mm -hmm. to stay at home? Um, I mean, that's why we saw, I mean, women have 
dropped out of the workforce. That's what I've heard. There's an opt-out because there's nobody taking care of the children and the elderly. Right, right, right. I mean, the elderly. that is also a big issue in Wisconsin. We have a growing senior population, and um, we've got to be able to provide senior care and affordable child care. But at the same time, take care of our workers. I mean, what's so, I think, disheartening and just almost heartbreaking for me as I was... I met with a few of um, these childcare early childhood providers, and they were saying, you know, Sarah, we can't even, we don't have retirement. We don't get benefits for this work. We barely make ends meet, and we're taking care of the future generations. To me, those are the people that we need to really be compensating, and because they are investing in our future. So with everything going the way it is on Capitol Hill, do you feel that you can really push forward your agendas? And I I put plural. I I do, and I think this goes back to another reason that I was just so inspired to do this, is that um, when I was looking at the CARES Act package, that was one of the funding packages during COVID, when I found out Delta Airlines got more money than childcare, I, like, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And I am a 40-year-old mom, and I would be the youngest mom in the U.S. Senate. Yay. But that to me is mind-blowing because your experiences impact your ability to create policy. And we wonder why these thoughts are after, like an afterthought, um, or a political football. It's because I don't think we have enough voices at that U.S. Senate table. Not enough moms, that's for sure. That's for sure. Which is the reason the title of this podcast is Why Women Should Run. Yeah. Because we do need to be leaders of specific kinds of agendas. Yes. That really are fundamental to not only the growth of America, but fundamental to the individuals who are Americans. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges is, the, some of the research about running for office, Denise talks about it takes, it's five to seven times you have to ask a woman to run. Five to seven times. And so I think something that we all should be working on is that if you know a woman who could be a great voice at a table, we got to start asking her now. To run. To run. Yeah. Because there is so much that they're putting on the line and they start thinking about, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. And if we don't have their voice, if we're not at the table, we're on the menu, as the saying That's goes. That's a good, I like that. If we're not on the table, we're on the menu. Yes. So I like that. I like that one. Say it yes. again. Yes. If we're not at the table, we're on the menu. <laughs> bang on the table. I know. Yeah, I know. We're, we're forbidden to bang on the table. <laughs> My daughter will tell you I always bang on the table, especially if I get excited and I start banging on the table because right. I get a little passionate. But that's an imp- I love that. Yeah. I love that. And it's good for women to hear that. Because there's probably people who are listening right now who have the ability. They're going to discount you. Right. Just like they discounted Sarah. Right. But you've got to push ahead because right. you bring so much to the table. Right. There's a lot. And that compassion. I think I... Personally, I've always said in all of my women's workshops that I do and leadership workshops for women that the experience of women, moms, that's it right there. You're the CEO, you're the financial planner, you're the, you know, you're everything. Motherhood brings a lot to the table. Now, I'm not saying that the women out there that are listening are not contributing because many of them are aunts. Right. (laughs) 
right. you know, where they're providing extra help. Yeah. I had a tier one and a tier two in my child care situation with mm. my children because I was working. I yeah. was a working mom. Yeah. And my tier one had an aunt. Yep. And my tier two had two aunts. Yep. You know, so yep. it's it's important that women come to the table with your voice, let it be heard, say what you see. And then look for more to tell people and let people know that they matter. And I think that that's what you're doing. Yeah, because if you think about it, we're over 50% of the population, but we only make up what? I think less than 25% of Congress. That is just. So we have a lot of opportunities to grow. Yeah, there's a lot on your back, but you can do this. Yeah, no, that's why we're in it. You got this. Ron doesn't know what's coming towards him. Ron Johnson. Look out for Sarah Godlewski. Here she comes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Well, thank you. And I think also we just think about policymaking from a different lens. I mean, something that I'm working on right now as state treasurer is a program called 401 Kids, which is literally going to provide every kid in the state of Wisconsin a savings account. But it's going to be similar to a retirement account where it's going to, you know, grow with seven, eight percent interest. Nice. So unlike a savings account that's like 1% or 2% interest, this is going to be a lot higher. And this is for kids then that they can use for to go to college, for medical emergencies, first-time home buying, or for retirement. So the, the thing I w- do want to say, and I know we're getting – I could talk to you forever. The one thing I love is that you don't just put policy in place. You don't just talk about it. You right. actually make sure it comes through. Yeah. And that's what you're doing in Wisconsin. Who's going to take your place? Well, there are a lot of good people running for my seat, Denise, and I think it's um, it, it's going to be somebody who is just as thoughtful and proactive and serving sure in the role as the you. state's chief financial officer. Yeah, so. they're going to miss you because you that's the thing I love about you. You don't just kind of blow smoke. You don't say, let's do this thing. Right. You make sure you push to make it happen. And there needs to be 10 tons of that on Capitol Hill. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think to me this has always been about You've got to be authentic to yourself. You've got to be able to, um, you know, I'm doing this because I love Wisconsinites and I think they deserve someone who's going to fight for them. Well, I know you will. I know you will do that. So when you come back to D.C., I want to come over for dinner. Of course, you know it. (laughs) For sure. Don't forget me. I'm sure you won't, but don't forget me. Well, we are so lucky to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's a busy day. Lots of meetings. Lots of fundraising, lots of talking. I, I can tell that the fundraising is important to you, but the talking seems to be even more important. Yes. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. This is my first time doing an interview on Capitol Hill. Huh? So I hope that it won't be the last time that you and I get to talk a- across the mic, you know, and make a difference and to help you make a difference. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Denise. It's great to be here. Can't wait to come back. And you went to the same college. You and Mia both went to to George Mason University. Yes. Go Patriots. I'm giving her a little, I'm both giving you Uh both of you some air time. I love it. But look what happens to the Patriots folks that you really make a difference. Amen. Women patriots. Let's uh-huh, get that uh-huh, right. Let's uh-huh. get that right. Exactly. So exactly. you're the reason why women should run. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. And come back again yeah. soon and invite me to everything. I will, Denise. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's good to have you. Bye for now.